And there will be signs in the sun and the moon and stars, and on the earth distress of nations and perplexity because of the roaring of the sea and the waves, people fainting with fear and with foreboding of what is coming on the world. For the powers of the heavens will be shaken, and they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Now when these things begin to take place, straighten up and raise your heads, because your redemption is drawing near. And he told them a parable. Look at the fig tree and all the trees. As soon as they come out in leaf, you see for yourself and know that summer is already near. So also, when you see these things taking place, you know that the kingdom of God is near. Truly I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all has taken place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. But watch yourself, lest your hearts be weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness and cares of this life, and that day come upon you suddenly like a trap. For it will come upon all who dwell on the face of the whole earth. But stay awake at all times, praying that you may have strength to escape all these things that are going to take place, and to stand before the Son of Man. And every day he was teaching in the temple, but at night he went out, and he lodged in a mount called Olivet. And early in the morning, all the people came to him in the temple to hear him. Praise the Lord. Amen. Come on, man. You need to, you need to, you need to think of that as good news. I mean, that's a lot going on right there, huh? I mean, we look at that, we go, woof. You know, and what's crazy is so many people where, you know, they, 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 they get so scared when they hear Jesus talk about those times, about those end times and the, you know, the, and the culmination of all things, you know, and they, and they get all freaked out, man. But, but the, Jesus isn't trying to scare you. See, we got to realize that he didn't say all that so you freak out and your knees start shaking and everything, right? Jesus is, he's not trying to scare you. His desire is to prepare you, Amen. It's to prepare you for, for, for these things that are, that are just going to happen, right? You see, there's a, so, so, you know, there, there's a, all kinds of stuff going on in that scripture we just shared this morning. A lot of stuff in this scripture, man, all right? And, and some people have made it their life's work, all right, to study these things out. And we've got 40 minutes, all right? <laughs> so maybe we'll take a couple more hours on this. I don't know. We'll see. All right, second service, we can do what we want. Anyways, um, all right, so, so what we're going to focus on today all right, we're gonna, we, we, we can go all crazy with all kinds of different things that are taking place in there, but we're going to focus on what, what should be our response to everything, all right, that Jesus said, not only in that text, but everything that he should, you know, that he says, period. What should be our response, right, when we hear Jesus saying anything, you know, you know throughout, you know, about the end times, about our life, about yesterday, about today, about tomorrow, what should be our response? Our response should always be basically a response of trust, you see, when we, when we trust Jesus, when we trust Jesus with everything, all right, that trust will prepare you for a life in Christ. And what we like to say around here, and we love saying this, man, is a ready person just don't need to get ready. Amen? Amen. Wait a second. Hey, welcome to the church. Praise the Lord. Welcome to the church. You guys here? All right. <laughs> you guys just freaked out by that scripture right there? It's going to be all right. It's good news, I promise. All right? A right, ready person just doesn't need to get ready. Right? So, you know, so we're going we're gonna to share, I'm going to share something with you. I think it's a little special here this morning. All right? You know, when, when, you, when you start to, when you, when you look at Jesus and you listen to the things he says, so many times you see, all right, that, uh, 
He compares his ministry and his mission to wedding. You've heard of that, right? You see, well, he talks about the wedding and the wedding of the lamb, all right, and, and the bridegroom, and we're the, we're the bride of Christ, all right? He talks about that. Even John the Baptist says, hey, I'm just a friend of the groom, all right? You know, he has the bride. And so there's always this language tossed around. And a lot of times we're trying to make connections. But I want to share with you this morning, his, his immediate audience made the connection. And I think it's really important for us to make the connection as well because it relates to everything that we just heard. All right, so, so when, when, when you think, all right, about weddings today, we don't think about what they thought, the way they thought about it then. The Galilean wedding was a process. It was a lengthy process. It was a process that required readiness and that required commitment, all right? And so what would take place, I'm just going to share with you a couple of events, see if you can make the connections, all right, that Jesus made. So in a Galilean wedding, right, the, the father of the groom officiated the, 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 the betrothal, basically the engagement, all right? And he set the terms and he paid the price for the, bride, for the bride. And we know that God himself, all right, he set the terms, all right, for, for our relationship with him, at least our relationship back. And he paid the price by giving his son, all right, for the payment, Amen. You tracking so far? All right, check this out. It says, and so the terms of the marriage covenant were read publicly, all right, and agreed upon with the bride and the groom. So basically they said, here are the terms of this covenant that you guys are about to make. And they were read publicly and they were agreed upon by the bride and the groom. Just like today, we have the scriptures, God's word. We have God's word and we have the covenant of that, he, that, he's, that he's trying to make with us. And we can agree upon it or we can just say, no, nah, I ain't wanting it. All right, and so when, when they would agree upon this, all right, when they did, when the bride and groom says, we agree to these terms, we agree to this covenant, all right, then the groom will bring a dowry, basically, and, and give it to the, the, the bride's father and basically say, this is, this is to secure, all right, this marriage, because they're still getting a lengthy term, a lengthy uh, engagement. It was about a year long, all right? This is to secure the bride, all right, and to care for her until I come back. Right? And so Jesus, we know that he has secured our place in heaven with him by his blood, by the cross. He paid for it and he's given us his Holy Spirit, all right, to care for us and to secure us until he comes back. All right, and then, and then at that moment, the groom has handed a pitcher of wine, a pitcher of wine. And he pours this wine, all right, a cup, he pours a, what they call the ceremonial cup of joy. And what's crazy is we know that Jesus, the night before he was, the night he was arrested, before uh, he was put on the cross, we know that Jesus poured the wine for the boys right there at the table. And he said, this is the new covenant. This is my blood that's being spilt for you. And so again, we're looking at this and we're saying, okay, we have all this crazy stuff coming. And Jesus ain't trying to scare you. He's trying to get us ready for it. And so, and again, we're relating it to how he, you know, he related his ministry to a Galilean wedding. And so he poured the wine, all right? And then he would hand the wine over to the bride, all right? And then he would present it to the bride. Basically, this was his engagement proposal. And as soon as the, you know, the, the bride had the opportunity to reject the wine or to accept it. Just like so many people today, Jesus, all right, paid for us with his blood. Everyone has the blood sacrifice of Christ and it's presented to everyone on the planet. And we have the opportunity to receive the payment that he's given us or to reject it. It's so crazy, man, the way that this just lines up with all the stuff that we know about Jesus. 
And it's awesome when we open this up and we're actually finally being able to, oh, this is what he meant. Right? And then once the bride, once the bride took the cup and drank it, she was agreeing totally to be committed to him and him only. It was her commitment. And then once she drank that cup, all right, the covenant that they were getting ready to make is now irrevocable. It's irrevocable. And so when you and I, when we give our lives completely to Jesus, when we trust the finished work on the cross and that Jesus Christ was buried, rose again, and now he is Lord of our life, when we genuinely, when we truly and honestly, sincerely commit our lives to Christ, he doesn't take his blood back. He doesn't take the blood that he shared for you. Wait a second, he doesn't do it. It's irrevocable. And then the, the groom says something that was kind of rehearsed and kind of set there before them. He would read this to, to, to the bride. He would say this publicly in front of everybody. He would say this. He would say, you are now consecrated to me and by the law of Moses, all right, to, to me, by the law of Moses, and I will not drink this cup again until we drink it again in my, again in my father's house. Jesus the night that he poured the, 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 bread, the blood, I mean, the, the wine and the, and the bread, and he gave out the bread, he said pretty much almost those exact words. Uh, this is it. And we're not gonna have this cup again until we're in my father's house. Are you making the connection here? I am. I mean, it's crazy. This stuff is blowing me away. I don't even know. Are you freaking out a little bit? Because I'm freaking out a little bit. This is crazy. Okay, now I'm starting to understand even more the depth that Jesus, all the stuff that he did that we weren't trying to understand. He was trying to relate it to a people saying, look, here's something you know, a wedding. Here's, you guys do this all the time. And here's how I'm gonna do it. Basically, I'm gonna come and my ministry is gonna be represented by the same thing that you do, that you're normal, that you normally understand. It's crazy. And then after he said that little comment, a year-long journey, and it wasn't an exact year, it wasn't an exact date. They didn't say save the date. It wasn't nothing like that, all right? Your year-long journey began, and people, they returned to their lives after that big old, you know, that big old thing that took place. People returned to their lives, but with a whole new focus and a whole new way of approaching life as they were preparing for that wedding that's coming. It says, we, as we give our lives to Christ, we return to our life. We keep living our life, but it's a whole different life that we're living, all right? You know, I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I that live, all right? But Christ who lives in me, amen? And the life that I live now, this day-to-day -day returning to this life, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me, Amen? It's a whole new focus that's taking place, right? And so, and so, and then what happens from that point, the groom traditionally will go back to his father's house and start building a home for him and his bride. And we know, what did Jesus say? I go to prepare a place for you, all right? And when, I'm, when it's complete, I'm gonna come and get you. Amen? And that's what exactly happened. And then the bride, this is crazy, then the bride goes about preparing herself for the groom by keeping herself pure, all right? And thinking only of the groom's return, all right? Not knowing the exact hour or day that he's coming. 
And so like we, all right, we have made that covenant. We had agreed to that covenant. We have accepted the blood of Jesus Christ in our life, all right? And so we go back to our lives, but now our life is a life of pursuing holiness and pure, purity before God and, for, you know, and with God. And in that life, man, we're waiting for him to come back. Yeah, we got a lot of stuff going on right here, all right, but we're not distracted by it like the scriptures just got through telling us. All right, we're focused as we're waiting for him to come. And then it gets even crazier because she doesn't know the exactly. It's, it's, never, it's never said, like, again, there's no save the date. It's, it's, just, it's just like whenever, you know, I'll, I'll share this a little bit, but she starts recognizing there's a sequence of events, of events that start taking place and start building upon one another that is preparation for this wedding day. And she starts to recognize it's getting closer. It's getting closer. Just as Jesus just expressed right here, there are some things that are going to let you know it's getting closer. Only the father knows the exact day and hour that the father is actually going to say to the son, okay, now go get your bride. It is, the fa- it is his discretion. The father of the groom is the one who decides when it's time for him to go get his bride. And what's crazy, in a Galilean wedding, all right, it was expected that the groom would come in the middle of the night. He wouldn't come during the day. He'd come in the middle of the night, an unknown day, an unknown night, basically, and an unknown time. And the bride just needed to be ready. Here's what's even crazier. Traditionally, the bride, knowing the time and just waiting, would traditionally speak or sleep in her wedding dress. Because she's like, hey, they, tonight could be the night. This could be the day. This could be the time. Who knows? I'm going to be ready. And she would traditionally, you know, <laughs> sleep in a wedding dress. All prepared, all ready. Because he could show up at any time. Right? And she would do that. And it's so crazy. She stayed that ready because she knew he could come at any time and that's what she was anticipating. This was a good life. I'm doing some stuff still. I'm still hanging out, doing my thing. But you know what? He's coming. I'm about you. I got my wedding dress on. I'm ready all the time. I am party ready, right? Jesus, come. Anyway, anytime. All right? I ain't ashamed to say it. <laughs> I'm wearing my wedding dress. <laughs> sleeping with it. And then finally, the father would say to the, to the groom, go get your bride. And then the, the groom would, would grab a trumpet, all right, and a processional would go with him. And they would make so much noise going through the community that not a person in the community wouldn't, would miss it. He would come with so much noise, so much fanfare. It was just huge. We just read that for ourselves. It was so huge. Nobody in the community would miss it. And there would be some in the community so excited because they've been waiting for this wedding. They knew it was coming. And they're like, yeah, it's going to happen, man. It's cool. Let's go. Let's get up out of bed. Let's go. They were ready. There would be other people in the community like, are you kidding me? I don't really care about this wedding. I don't want nothing to do with it. I know I was invited, but I don't want to go. Making any sense? <laughs> Connecting with any dots here right now? <laughs> Today? 
Then the groom, all right, will go and meet his bride and grab his bride. And the moment the bride, or he, he grabbed a hold of his bride, from that moment on, they were inseparable. She was forever with the groom. And there would be this wedding party, man. And there were people that were invited, they were so just ready, they're waiting, they're there, and they're having it in the time of their life. And then there are other people that were invited, they didn't want to come. There are people that just want to ignore it. And the father of the groom would close the door and said, all right. And they would be outside the door, and they were like thinking, second, think, second guessing, like, dang, I wish I would. It sounds like they're having a really good time out in there. You know I mean? They're just getting down. I mean, there's a lot of cool stuff going on in there. And they would really, really, they really, that was really stupid. All right, sorry. <laughs> it wasn't even a good move. I got moves, man, but you don't, you don't want to see them right now. All right, anyways. All right, so they were having a really good time in there, right? And they're like wishing that they went, but the door was closed. That's it. Two things you can always count on when listening to Jesus is that his word will always land true, always faithful, always fulfilled. And that his word will always be consistent. So today's word is, is, is not a word of fear. It's a word of readiness. Why? Because we love to say this around here, man, because a ready person don't need to get ready, amen? Amen. It's a word of readiness, amen. No, that was good. That was good, amen. Thank you. You, know, some people, you need to learn from her, all right? Amen. Amen. All right. <laughs> Let's pray. Heavenly Father, some of us are so ready. Some of us don't know if we're ready. And some of us here know we're just not ready. Help us, Lord God, to get ready. Help us, Lord God, to just lean into your word and not a person here leave not ready. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. So if you didn't see last week's message, these two are connected and you really needed last week, I'll give you a quick recap, but it's not gonna be good enough. So if you missed it, man, go check it out. It's on YouTube, which if you go on YouTube, subscribe to that channel so more people can get this content, all right? But you go on YouTube, all right, and you can check it out, or I think we have it on Facebook and uh, other places, I don't know. Um, but just to kind of recap, Jesus, is, this is last week of his life. He's only got a couple of days before the cross, right? He was in the temple, and he's teaching all kinds of cool stuff, man. People just kind of surrounding, checking it all out. And then in, during the evening, after he was teaching, he would, he would go to this place called the Mount of Olives. It was, it was just right outside of Jerusalem was this hill. It wasn't real big, but it would give you a really awesome view of Jerusalem and an amazing view of the temple. And he's sitting there with his guys, and they're hanging out on this, on this Mount of Olives, and, he's, and, and then the guys are like talking about how amazing the, the, the temple is. And he's like, and Jesus is like, man, you just can't be trusted in, in just a temple. He goes, this thing is going to be like torn down, man. It's going to be gone. Not stone will be left upon each other, man. It'll be wiped out. And Jerusalem, matter of fact, is going to be gone. And so the stuff that we shared last week all had some fulfillment. It actually all happened within the 40-year time span after Jesus actually said this to, to ending in 70 AD when they tore the temple down completely. We have all the history about it, all right? And Jerusalem was just wiped out and all the Jews were scattered. 
But then Jesus goes a little deeper. So last week, we were talking about how he was, he was talking about their future, which is our past, because we can, we can check it, we can do all the fact-checking. But now he goes into something even deeper, which is even our future. And so I challenged you guys last week to take some of the past that we've learned to prepare us for today. And now take the word that we're hearing today to prepare us for tomorrow, amen? amen. And so we're here in, in Luke chapter 21, all right? Uh, kind of, as he was saying these things, you know, the disciples said, you know, when, you know, in verse seven, you know, when are these things uh, gonna be and what sign will, 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 will be, the, what will be the sign when these things are about to take place? And he, and he shared all that stuff that he shared last week that already took place. But now he's getting ready to talk about our future. And my question is, are you ready? Are you ready? So we catch up with him in the second half of this talk that he's given them on the Mount of Olives in verse 25 of chapter 21. And, and as we already heard, here's what he says. He says, and there will be signs in sun and moon and stars and on the earth, distress of nations and perplexity because of the roaring of the sea and the waves. And we're looking at that already. We're going, man, that sounds like a lot, doesn't it? That sounds like a lot, but this is only a preview of what is actually gonna be happening. If you go deeper and go look into the book of Revelations, when all this stuff is actually taking place, you'll see in Revelations chapter six, some crazy stuff happening. Verse 12, it said that he opened the sixth seal. He says, I looked and behold, there was a great earthquake. Okay, we're kind of used to that, all right? But then all of a sudden, the, the sun became black as sackcloth. The moon became like blood and the stars of the sky fell to the earth as fig trees shed in its winter fruit when, when shaken by a, by a gale. It says, the sky vanished like a scroll. Are you freaking out yet? Check this out. The sky, this is crazy stuff. Uh, we've seen a lot of movies. We've seen a lot of crazy stuff happen. You can't let that desensitize you to what is actually really gonna happen. I've watched movies and said, oh, that's just a movie. Whew, good thing, you know what I mean? Have you ever had a dream? Wake up and you're like, whoa, <laughs> good thing that was a dream, all right? This is not a dream. This is not a movie. He says, the sky vanished like a scroll that is being rolled up and every mountain and island was removed from its place. On my screensaver, I have some uh, pictures of the Patagonias, these big old crazy mountain rocks and stuff like that, right? And I love it, man, because they're just so majestic and strong. And then when I think about Jesus, is gonna, they're gonna be removed by the one who made them. When I, when I see this, I recognize, you know what? Why all this big stuff? Why, all this, why is all this taking place? So everyone will know that it's him. See, everything we trust you know, our security with is gonna vanish, man. The sky, the ground, everything is gonna be removed. And, and except for those who put their security in Christ, you'll never be removed. See, knowing what is to come all right, Jesus is challenging his bride to be ready, to get ready, to stay ready. There's a ready person, no need to get ready. This is not to scare you, but to prepare you. See, this is actually good news. Jesus is coming for his bride. It gets crazier, though, in verse 26. It says, people will faint with fear and with foreboding, basically this dreadful expectation of what is coming on the world for the powers of the heavens will be shaken. 
Those who weren't ready, who didn't prepare or want to be involved in the wedding, all right, or are going to be freaking out. Revelation gives you more insight. In verse 6, chapter 15, it says, then the kings of the earth, all right, and the great ones, and the generals, and the rich, and the powerful, and everyone, slave and free, they hid themselves in caves and among the rocks from the, of the mountains, calling to the mountains, man, you know, come fall on us. Hide us from the, faith of, from the face of him who is seated on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. The, for the great day of their wrath has come. Who can stand? And this is the question. Who can stand? Amidst all of that, we're like, this sounds crazy. But he's saying, who is ready to stand before Jesus? Who here right now is ready to stand before Jesus? Four, five, six, seven. All right. Eight of us, nine of us, 10. All right, 11. <laughs> Who's ready, man? Here's what I'm saying, man. These, all these signs are coming. But here's the crazy thing. We don't need another sign. We have the greatest sign ever. The cross is the only sign that you need. Amen? The cross of Jesus Christ, that he paid for our sins, that he has set us aside, that we are sanctified and set apart by his blood, then this right here is not our problem. But I know what you're thinking, man, but I know people who, who, who don't know this. What's taking you so long? We got people we love. We got people we care about. And we're thinking they don't know that they could stand. All right, what's our job as followers of Jesus Christ? Our job is to know God, to know Jesus, and to make him known and to lead others to do the same. Amen. We don't go shouting out, did you know that this guy's going to roll up like a scroll? Did you know that? All right? That's not what we're going to do. We're going to love people into the kingdom. We're going to love them with the love of Jesus into the kingdom of God for his glory. Amen. The cross is the only sign that we need and that they should need. The cross and the resurrection of Jesus Christ is what makes us ready if you trust Jesus. You see, by the blood of Jesus, we'll be made ready to stand before Jesus. That's a big deal. And then they'll see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. In the middle of all this universal confusion, right, Jesus is going to roll up on the clouds. How would you expect the one who created the clouds and everything else to roll in? He ain't going to borrow a donkey for this one. All right, he ain't gonna do it. He's rolling in crazy, thick. See, last week we recognized that Jesus pronounced judgment on Israel because of their rejection of him. And he fulfilled all that. Now here, this second part he's sharing with the planet. He has shared his life and his life's blood for the redemption of mankind. This is going to happen. This stuff is going to happen, man. But this is a life of fear that we don't have to live. 
We don't have to live this life of fear. Check out what he says here. He says, now when these things take place, straighten up, raise your heads, right? Because your redemption is drawing near, man. Now he's talking to his church. Now he's talking to his people and those people who will be his people. He means that this part of the story, all right, is concluding this whole part of the story. And the king is here. Sin and death no longer got a hold on us, man. Eternity's here. Jesus is coming for his bride that he bought with his blood. The father is telling him, go get your bride. Amen. Yeah, come on. Praise the Lord. Amen. This is good news. Trying to help you understand. This is good news, man. This word, the word, the word of God is a redemption story culminating, all right, in the end, all right, is, and it's not a curtain closing, like, okay, that's it, closing the curtains. As a matter of fact, the curtains are opening wide. We're just saying, gates opening wide. All right, and now we are going to see the glory of God like we've never seen it before and the life that he has prepared for us. This is good news, guys. And then he told them a parable. He says, look at the fig tree and all the trees. As soon as they come out and leave and you see for yourselves and know that summer is already near, so also when you see these things taking place, you know that the kingdom of God is near. Truly, truly, he's basically, truly, I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all has taken place. Jesus' point in this statement is that the events that are going to happen in the end times, they're going to happen fast. And once the signs of the end begin to take place, redemption is not far behind. He says, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. The world was created by the word, and by his word, it will pass away, all right? By his word, he will make all things new. Jesus is bigger than the heavens and the earth. When you reject Jesus, you reject everything. He's bigger than all things. I'm with him, right? I'm with him. He ain't going nowhere, so I'm with him. What about you? He says, and he starts getting practical with us. Watch yourselves. Lest your hearts be weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness and the cares of this life. And that day come upon you suddenly like a trap. He says, watch yourselves, check yourselves. Back in the day, we used to say, check yourself before you wreck yourself. You need a checkup from the neck up. Come on, check it out. That's literally what we say. Well, check yourself. He says uh, that your hearts aren't weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness and the cares of this world, basically anxieties of this life. And this idea of dissipation and drunkenness is basically talking about getting drunk and living in a state of hangover. Literally what he's saying right there, this idea of dissipation. In a state of drunkenness and in a state of continual hangover for life. Some of you guys know that a little too well. 
But he's telling us, he's warning us. And he's not just talking, all right, this is not just alcohol because we get intoxicated about, over so many things, with so many things. It's not just, yeah, there's, there's alcohol and there's drugs, but there's also relationships and poor ideas and not good ideas and just I need more and fulfillment and fulfillment and fulfillment. And we're just getting drunk and intoxicated with all these things that we think that we need in our life when we only need him. And we're just putting more and more and more in. And when there is no more, we're in this hangover state. Like, I, I'm a man, you know, and we, we just can't think right and then next thing you know the cares of this world all these things the anxieties of life we just can't handle it Jesus says be careful with all these things and that day come upon you suddenly like a trap and you miss the wedding altogether for we'll come upon all who dwell on the face of the earth no one alive is going to miss this. And no one who passed away is, is missing it either. We'll, we'll talk about that in a minute. So stay ready. He says, but stay awake at all times, praying that you may have the strength to escape all these things that are going to take place and to stand before the Son of Man. Stay awake at all times, praying that you may have strength to escape all these things that are going to take place and to stand before the Son of Man, all right? He, you know, he, he said, you get ready. And you're like, ah, you know, the, the, whole, the whole response that he's looking for is, I'm ready. Got my wedding dress on. I'm feeling good. He says, keep alert, knowing that there's always more to this life than just this life. And you're like, how do I do this, man? How do I stay alert? How do I stay ready like this? By continually talking with the one who gave you this life. And this is a life of prayer. A life of prayer. And we talk about this all the time, man, because it is so important to the man and woman of God to be in constant communion and conversation with God. And so many people are like, I don't know how to pray, man. I know a lot of you here is like, I don't know how to pray. I don't know how to pray. That, okay, there you go. That's a prayer. God, I don't know how to pray. There was a prayer. You're like, I don't know, man. My life is just so messed up and I, just, I need some help. There's another prayer. I pray that one all the time. God, I'm all messed up. You're really good at cleaning up messed up lives. Here's another one. That's a prayer. Continually getting into that prayer with God. Prayer, I've told you before, is a conversation with God. It's a conversation. It's not talking at God. We, you know, it's like, you know, none of you like, you know, uh, like your children to talk at you. You have your children talk at you? Like, hey, wait, wait, wait. you know, they're talking at you like this or they're talking at you like this. Nobody likes that. Prayer, how many of you love when your children will sit down with you and have a conversation with you? And then, how many of you love when your children listen to you because you know everything? <laughs> how many of you love that? Man, my kids just listen to me because they just know I'm all that and I know everything. You feel good about that. God loves that and he does know everything. So prayer is talking with God and then it's listening to God and then it's looking for Jesus. Looking for Jesus. This is what we got. That's what we got. talking with God, listening to God, and looking for God. And then 
in that prayer, you, you begin to know, man, that you can stand. All right? And when you know you can stand today, well, that assures you that you can stand tomorrow when you're there with him. Because you already know Jesus. He's not that friend, you know what I mean, that you haven't seen for a long time. You ever run into a friend you haven't seen for a few years or for years, and all of a sudden you kind of wonder, are they the same person? You know what I mean? Because you haven't talked to them for so long. Pretty much why I don't go to class reunions. Right? It's like, man, if I haven't talked to you for 20 years, there's probably a reason. All right? You know what I'm saying? But, but like, I, you know, I don't, I'm not going to get there, man. I'm not going to show up, all right, on the last day. I'm not going to be wondering if Jesus is going to res- recognize me. Why? Because I just got done FaceTiming him. I've been I'm with him, man. Boom. What's up? Right here. I'm yours. You're king. Thank you so much. Those who are in Christ, they don't have to be terrified by these things. This is not our judgment. We are going to be there with Jesus. I can prove it. Revelations. I'm going to read through some verses right now. All right? They preach themselves. Stay with me on this. Look what he says in that day. Revelations later on. It says, after this, I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number. Every nation, the word ethos is the name nation there, basically every ethnicity from all tribes, people in all languages, standing before the throne, standing. Remember, who can stand? These guys are standing. Why are they being able to stand? Standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hand and crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and the Lamb and to the Lamb. And then later it says that one of the elders addressed me, all right, to the, to the writer of, the, of Revelation, saying, who, who are these clothed in white robes and from where do they come? And he said, sir, you know, and he said, these are the ones coming out of that great tribulation that we just talked about. They've been washed. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the lamb. These are the ones who were made ready by the cross and stayed ready before God. And now they can stand before the Lord. Because they waited for the bridegroom. They knew he was coming. And they waited for him. First Thessalonians chapter 4, 13 through 18 says this, man. It says, we don't want you to be uninformed. Because we're like, what about the people that we know that passed away already? What about them? All right? Is this just for people who are alive? Look at, look at look what he says. We don't want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, those who have passed away, that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. For since we believe, look at this. Since, say, say we believe. Since we believe, since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. Those ones are our loved ones who have passed away, who knew Jesus. For this we declare to you by a word from the Lord that we who are alive, all right, who are left until the coming of the Lord will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself, all right, will descend from heaven with a cry of a command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet. Remember the procession coming to get the bride, right? All the people, everybody, nobody's going to miss it, all right, of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we 
who are alive, who are left, will be caught up in the air together with him in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and we will always be with the Lord. All right, always. Here the bride went with the groom, and she was forever with her husband, and so we, the bride of Christ, will forever be with the Lord. That is good news, amen? All right, yeah. Therefore, encourage one another with these words, amen? Hallelujah. Man, the Bible just preaches itself, don't it? Man, you don't even need to be up here. And then after these things, after Jesus was, had, had said that, that word, it says in Luke 21, 37 and 38, and every day he was teaching in the temple, but at night he went out and lodged on the mount called Olivet. And early in the morning, all the people came in the temple to hear him. Many of those people that came, they said every day, we only had a couple of days before the cross. Many of those people that came, well, we know 120 of them, men and women, about 30, 40 days later, probably 40 days later, would be those men and women, and we're going to talk about this in a few months, who would start the grand opening of the church because the Holy Spirit rushed on those obedient, readied men and women. And the Holy Spirit filled them and began the catalyst of what we know today as the church. But there were also people in that crowd just a couple of days later that are going to yell, crucify him. Which one are you? Which are you? A lot of times, again, I like to tell you, I like to give you something at this time of the sermon, just to kind of some take-home stuff. Look at here, man, just try this. Next seven days, man, put this to work. It'll help you get a little closer to this word that we preach today. I don't have that for you. Because this was a lot. But I can challenge you to determine to stay ready. I can't tell you how to do that. Yeah, there are things that we all share, Bible reading and, and, and prayer and stuff like that. But I know, I know people, man, who read the Bible and who pray, but they don't know Jesus. So what is it? You know, you need to determine to stay close. What does that look like for you? You know. You know your life. What does it look like for you? Determine to stay ready. I have a question that you can take with you. And here it is, simply this. What will it take for you to continually get close and stay close? What's it going to take for you to continually, the key word continually, get close to Jesus and stay? What do you have to do? What do you have to organize? What do you have to order? What do you have to mandate in your life, all right, relationally before God continually in order for you to get close to Jesus and to stay close to Jesus because a ready person don't need to get ready amen but we can get other people ready can't we praise the Lord we're going to have people here to pray with you and, you know, the message like this, you probably need some prayer. All right? And if that ain't working, you know, we'll have a fence in the back back there. You can throw prayer in, and 
we'll gladly, we'll, be, we'll gladly, we'll definitely be praying over those prayers as well. All right? We got the easy part, right? Get ready, stay ready. Amen? Praise the Lord.